Oh, hello, Nick here. Now, I know you don't usually hear me at this stage of the podcast. Full disclosure, I deleted Tim's little introduction. Apologies. I'm sorry. I know you'll miss it as much as I did. But using the power of editing equipment, I have gone back in time and I magically now know what we're going to be talking about in 10 seconds. On the agenda for today, we're going to be discussing who can and can't play roles or who should and shouldn't after people have blown up online over Hugh Sheridan being cast in the title role of a trans person in Hedwig and the Angry Inch in Sydney. Tim also brings up some pretty scary statistics around Uber Eats delivery people. And we also want to know whether you need to get a jab to fly internationally off the back of Qantas saying they will only allow people to fly if they have had the COVID vaccine. Plus, as always, you've got Nick Picks. If you're not a member of our Facebook community, Off Air Community, the link is in the description to this episode. Please jump in there. There has been some awesome conversation over the past week. We would love for you to be a part of it. What is our mandate? Tim Rubin. It's super creepy to reanimate somebody's dead father for their birthday. Nick Stewart. I really leaned into trying to get radicalised by ISIS. You're listening to Off Air. I believe it's this. Hello, Nick Stewart. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Queensland are opening back up to the world. We're opening the borders as of the 1st of December. How do you feel? Uh, that is so kind and generous of you and your poor <laughs> flailing tourism industry um, to finally open up to us. Are you excited? Are you going to... Because uh, you could leave, but you would have not been able to get back. Is that what would have happened before? Yeah, essentially. So if we'd travelled down to Sydney or Melbourne, we would have had to have quarantined uh, and paid to quarantine for two weeks. So now that's all done and dusted. So we can visit family over the Christmas period. We can return. Family can visit us. It's, it is a feel-good moment, and I think it's affecting a lot of people more than I expected it to. I saw a newsreader cry about it. And I, 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 you're totally right. It is affecting people more than I was expecting it to. Why are people so emotional? I think a lot of people haven't seen that. Look, the reality is a lot of people are missing their friends and family. And, and it's when you know that you can't, that it becomes a mm. real boon or a real burden. And there's so many people living in Melbourne and Sydney that have wanted to come and visit. And people, I heard our premier this morning and she was saying that she's lost two loved ones over the period of time and hasn't been able to go to either funeral for either of those. So wow, it's, it's, it's highlighted how human we all are and how good it's going to be for us all to come together at Christmas. I do think it's weird that this whole coronavirus thing seems to be wrapping itself in a little bow. It, it really seems to be like it's going to be a 2020 event and sort of 2021 will be the healing process. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, like America has a new president. We've got vaccines on the way. We've got borders <laughs> opening up. Like, fingers crossed. You know, everybody has been joking and saying, like, can we just call 2020 a wrap and start 2021? And my response has always been, you know that these disasters don't go by calendar year. Like nothing is going to change. Don't say at that, midnight. <laughs> but it seems like it could be happening. Things have been really good here as well, by the way, because in Victoria, we now don't have to wear masks outside if you're socially distanced. So just walking down the street and seeing people's faces is so lovely. It, you just feel so much more human again and so much more connected. Um, 
I, I, it probably sounds super alien for you, but it's been a very strange experience for the last few months. Are people smiling more at each other? Are people, totally. when you walk down the street, people giving each other a smile and a nod? Because that's never been a real, we've always seen that as a real Queensland thing. Like when you're walking around Queensland, everyone says, G'day, how are you, digger? Whereas in New South Wales and Victoria, it's always been sort of, you guys have places to be, you're busy people. So I, I wondered, is it nice to see faces and people smiling? It is. And I think everybody's feeling it. And as a side note, I'm actually recording from Melbourne this week. This week. I'm oh. not in Bendigo this week at the moment. So we, we, we've gone metro. Um, <laughs> but even walking down Chapel Street, like super busy, super, you know, trendy, um, it's 100% the case. People are happy. It's it's made a huge difference to our morale. So vibes are good. Do you have some Nick picks for us? Some recommendations for the week? This week, it is Assassin's Creed. Uh, it's a video game, Valhalla. You get to be a Viking. You might remember I was playing Ghost of Tsushima where I was a samurai. Well, I've moved on in the world and I have now started my own clan uh, called the Raven Clan in England. Things are going well, Tim. I just think we lose so, we just lose so much momentum as soon as you, as soon as you open your dumb mouth about PlayStation <laughs> and... <sighs> Okay, I zoned oh, out. Gaming. All right. Oh, sorry. That thing I, that the the biggest growth industry of in the world over the past five years. I'm sorry, the most highly paid sport in the world. My bad. Some man. nerdy thing. About I'm the nerd. At game. least I don't run around in the woods doing nothing. What? Are, how is walking <laughs> so, going? You, are you? How big of a how big of a fan of Lord of the Rings do you have to be to just want to walk around in the bush? My nitpick is never just going on a hike, by the way. <laughs> but okay, I'm glad that your Valhalla game is bringing you a lot of joy. Um, I've got a nitpick that's like really uh, nichely for you, I think, Nick. I think okay. you're going to be super keen on this. Um, the, the Tim Ferriss podcast, which is a wonderful podcast, he's done an interview recently with Dax Shepard. Oh, and it's wow. a great, great listen. Um, if you're not sure who Dax is, he he was kind of like a comedy guy and he wasn't very well respected. Like maybe 15 years ago, he was one of the comedy actors in punked mm. and did dumb stuff like that and kind of hung out with like the jackass guys. But he has since started a very kind of adult and very um, intellectual podcast that is gangbusters. It's probably one of the top, I would say 10 or 20 podcasts in the world in terms of listenership. Um, and he went on the Tim Ferriss show and they spoke about it. So if you're a fan of the podcasting world in general, he's had a huge journey just as a person, um, with his sobriety, um, he's had difficulties with, um, drugs and things like that. And it's something that he is super open about in his, in his podcasting. Um, so yeah, you learn a lot about him as a human being. I, I, would give it a high rating, five stars. Check it out. Story number one. Who can play Hedwig? The play Hedwig and the Angry Itch uh, was programmed this year, or sorry, next year as a part of the Sydney Festival. So to be on in January 2021. It's a comedy rock musical and the story follows a German gender queer character who moves to America to pursue their dream of music. The character has famously been played on Broadway by Neil Patrick Harris in the past, and the Sydney production cast the Aussie actor Hugh Sheridan in the lead role. You'd know him from shows like Pack to the Rafters. However, uh, the production in the last week has been hit by huge criticism, largely from the trans community, saying that a non-trans actor should not be playing a trans 
character. This is part of their message specifically. Uh, This is from the Queer Artists Alliance Australia. Uh, They have labelled Hugh's casting as offensive. They've said it is unquestionable that Hugh is a talented and deserving actor, but it is not appropriate for a cis actor to be the gatekeeper of a trans story. Because of this, at this stage, the show has been postponed and ticket holders have been refunded. Nick, this is a huge story, so I'm going to give you a little bit of control about which part of it you would want to unpack first, but I guess the the overarching question is, can a non-trans actor play a trans character? Well, they have in the past, and and I'm assuming as well that the person that wrote uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch has given permission in the past for plenty of uh, different actors to play it. I know that Neil Patrick Harris played it over in the United States and got great acclaim for it. I think this is ridiculous. I'm sorry, and I know that that's going to offend some people, but I I genuinely believe that act I I am as and I know she copped shit for this, but I sort of agree with Scarlett Johansson. I think anyone can play anyone. You can play a tree if you want to be a tree. That's part of acting. It's embodying other people and showing this off. Um, I just think that people are getting really upset about this. Obviously, the trans community has a right to a voice, but it it comes back to how is it. Is it the right of the people interpreting the art to be in control of the production of it? Um, it doesn't, but I definitely think that if you are somebody that this, uh, if you, I mean, this isn't one person. So this is no. the the Queer Artist Alliance. So this is essentially the union of, of these human beings. And I think that these people, uh, anybody should uh, feel represented when they're being represented and they shouldn't be misrepresented. And that's where the whole uh, problem around blackface really came from, was that it was a racist misrepresentation of a group of people. So I don't think that just anybody sitting on the couch has the right to say the movie should end like this. If I'm sitting and watching Jurassic Park, I don't get to have a say in that. But if something is reflective of your story, then I think that you should be a part uh, or, or or at least considered in that casting process. The blackface thing is a little bit different again because it also stems mm-hmm. from having really aggressively offensive representation. It wasn't just that mm-hmm. they were wearing blackface or it wasn't just that people were doing yellow face. It's that then they put on funny teeth and squinted their eyes or made their lips look bigger or tried to lean into the stereotypes. And I don't think that that would ever be Hugh Sheridan's goal or, or, or the people producing the show uh, to make trans people look stupid or look inferior or look wrong. But, but yeah. you're, you have a background in acting. What, do you, I, I'm always of the belief that I think that entertainment should be open forum. It's the only thing I think should be uh, based off capitalism in some ways. It should be totally open. And then we decide if we want to uh, go to it or not, we can boycott it. And then that way it'll rise to the top. It's sort of like bad jokes in comedy. Yeah, right. If you tell offensive jokes and they are they are bad, then people should just not buy tickets to your show, and therefore you either change or, or you go bust. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it, it's an interesting thing. This story has made me personally like I really had to scratch my head and think about um, my own beliefs in this, and I had to, and I I really wanted to stop and question why I had my beliefs around certain things. Um, so the first thing that I, I was kind of thinking about when I saw this story was I said, well, there are situations where certain people shouldn't play other 
types of characters. So for example, um, you know, if you said to me, or if I say to you, should a white person be able to play a black character in a role? My instant answer is no. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and so I then, once we accept that, then we then have to question. So why is it that in this situation, I think that something is potentially okay, but in this situation, I draw a hard and fast line. Because because there's grey in this world, because it's not fucking black and white. That's why. Should 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 Mel Gibson have been able to play a Scottish person? I've thought about this long and hard, and I actually have an answer that that I've kind of come to terms with in myself. Hmm. And I think that where I personally draw the line is is this character within the realm of possibilities for that actor at that point in time? So, for example, um, when I was acting, uh, uh, it would be very likely that I would go for a role playing a job that I um, don't actually do. So, you know, this character is a graphic designer. Mm. Now, in the real world, I could potentially be or become a graphic designer. So there's no reason why I shouldn't play a graphic designer. Um, and I think that that's the same with um, some of these questions around sexuality and gender fluidity. Because at the moment, there are no barriers. If somebody wants to explore their sexuality or their gender fluidity, there's no reason why they can't do that. And so if I wanted to play a gay character, I don't see why that wouldn't be a problem because that's within the realm of my possibilities. However, I can't be a black guy, so I should never play a black guy. Or a black woman or whatever. I love that rule. I, I actually think it's fantastic. I've got a little devil's advocate, just a little twist. What about okay. uh able body actors playing um disabled characters? Yeah, I think that I think that it's within the realm of possibility, so I don't see why um it shouldn't happen. There have be, there have been some incredible um comments and conversations happening on our Facebook group, which you'll be you'll be able to find and join. It's called Off Air Podcast Community. Um it's in the show notes. Ruth wrote something really interesting. Ruth, someone I know, she's a producer of theatre and works in the Sydney theatre industry. And she wrote um, to the question, should non-trans actors be able to tr uh, play trans characters? She said, I think yes, but it needs to be handled very sensitively and potentially the playwright needs to have right of veto on casting. With some groups, it should be a no, but unless there are lots of suitable trans actors, then it may not be feasible. The alternative may be that these works don't get produced such doesn't help anyone. Mm. And this is the situation that we're in now because what they've done is they've gone, okay, well, we have to postpone this show. We have to pull it down. And now this story about a trans character is currently not being told by anyone. Mm. So I guess you have to ask the question, is it more important that the story is told even if it is in a potentially imperfect way according to some of these groups or would you rather the story not be told at all? Because right now that's what's happening. Is it okay for the playwright to not be trans? <laughs> I'm, no, I'm, I'm serious. Like, is it okay for a playwright, someone who is writing a fictional piece of work, to not well, be part of that culture or that world? The playwright of this show actually wasn't trans and it was written based on Cancel somebody it. that existed nah, in this person's life. However... A playwright writes so many characters th that it's not possible because then they would only be able to write a show 
with the one character and that directly reflects them. I agree with um, you, but that's the that's the whole point is yeah. it, without sounding overtly offensive, it, a, a whole part of this is theatre. It's make-believe. That's what we're yeah. doing. We're trying on different hats. That's what writers do. That's what actors do. You're trying on different hats and you're trying to emulate those in a, and, and I agree in a sympathetic way. But if we're getting bogged down in semantics, it's going to be a very boring, uncreative world. And it always scares me that the, that the progressive left, the super hard social justice warrior left, if we, if we all abide by these rules, we're not going to end up with anything fun or good or nice to watch. I actually think there's one um, angle that hasn't been explored, and I've read a bunch of articles and a bunch of people's comments and things about this. And I think the angle that people also aren't talking about is the fact that people should, and I think that the LGBTQI plus community probably um, on paper advocates for this, people should have the right to their story and their sexuality and for that to be as public or private as they want. Mm. And so... There's no reason why actors should have to disclose everything about their sexual or gender identity in order to get a role. So in this situation, Hugh Sheridan has had to, he's come out in in the last, he came out about a week before and Mm. said, I am bisexual. And he did that purely, like definitely so that they felt comfortable announcing that he was the lead in this show. Now, Hugh Sheridan is somebody who has kept his sexual identity very, very quiet for a very, very long time. He went through NIDA um, not long before I went through drama school. And so there, we, we had, had a lot of mutual friends and there was a lot of talk about his sexuality. And his right to privacy is very, very important. And I don't think that actors need to be grilled on what they do in their private lives in order to get a role. And if, I mean, who knows if Hugh Sheridan maybe is potentially on the trans spectrum and doesn't want to put that out in the world. And he should have the right to do that, as should anybody when they're going for any job. Because at the end of the day, that's what this is. Mm. And we wouldn't say to a gardener or a lawyer or a doctor, you need to tell me. who you've had sex with in the last year or what type of porn you watch or what whatever before I hire you. I do that. I ask, but but that's more for my own personal <laughs> gratification than anything else. Story number two. Uber accidents. On Monday, Bijoy Paul, a 27-year-old student from Bangladesh who was working as an Uber Eats rider, was hit by a truck on the streets in Sydney. He died that day in hospital. Right now, for food delivery riders, there has been a death on the roads roughly every 11 days since September. Uh, In New South Wales, a government task force is being assembled to look into the safety of the gig economy, which it seems is incredibly flawed. But at the moment, Labor and the Greens are saying that it's not enough. I'm blown away by that. It's it's crazy and it's startling. And And I would like to think that it's that uh, it's some way that Uber or these um, ride-sharing apps uh, have some level of public liability or insurance, but I'm guessing you're about to tell me that they don't. So most of these people are not covered by insurance um, and they are earning less than $10 or pretty much on $10 an hour when Mm. you factor in their own costs, which is incredibly low. They are being fueled. They're being uh, pushed 
by uh, incentives because the more things that they deliver, the more money that they earn. And they're being basically held down below the poverty line, which is why they're pushing so hard to try and get as many deliveries out and uh, driving or riding, unfortunately, dangerously. I guess the first question is, Nick, it's interesting that you said that you hadn't heard about this. I would say that 90% of our listeners probably wouldn't have heard this story. If someone was dying every 11 days in any other industry, can you imagine if there was a radio host dying every 11 days? Oh, even, yeah, literally anything. If there was a doctor dying every 11 days at a hospital, we would definitely know more about this. But you're right, we do throw it under a rug. I think, look, there's heaps of angles to this story because there's also the angle of how come our unemployment rate is still so good even though that we've been through a pandemic and it's because so many people confuse the unemployment rate and don't understand that there's a term called underemployment and underemployment is massive Mm. in third world countries and the people that you're describing absolutely qualify as being underemployed they have a job but they don't actually get enough money to survive uh and you're right it is it's it's a pretty shitty thing that has developed in Australia off the back of this. It's something that's happened in America forever, which is where a lot of these companies start. But it's only recently been picked up in Australia. And the other thing in America and and a lot of these countries where underemployment is prevalent, there's a tipping culture. So you make up for it out of your back pocket uh, by giving these people cash and then they don't pay tax on that money. We don't have that culture in Australia. So it doesn't translate to this country. But interestingly, it's starting to arrive through these apps because if you get Uber Eats, do you have Uber Eats? Yeah, but I don't fucking tip. Do you press the tip button? (laughs) No, no, exactly, because it's not a part of our culture. But they're trying to bring it in. Yeah, all of these apps are the first things where it says, how was uh, Paul? Do you want to give him a dollar, three dollars, five dollars? Yeah, swift response for me. (laughs) I'll tell you right now. Because they're already gouging in general. Look. We all fall victim to it. I try not to. There are better apps out there. We all fall victim to Uber at times. We all sort of deep down know that Uber is a crock. As a company, globally, they Mm. don't make a massive profit. They they run some very interesting bookkeeping strategies so that they can undercut themselves to look more profitable. And Mm. then on top of that... If you speak to, I have quite a few friends that own restaurants and own hospitality businesses who have now, especially in regional Australia, stopped using Uber Eats because it is not cost effective for their business. It, it, they don't actually make any money. So the only people making money out of this are Uber. So it's, it's a bit of this sneaky, insidious thing that's crept in because I want to be able to lie in bed and order Messino ice cream on a Saturday night. And and it's weird that it's become part of our culture so quickly. Yes. And it's also very interesting because on one hand, there's a huge level of outrage, but uh, I mean, there are so many examples of things that we are outraged about on paper. I mean, I think it's awful that there are sweatshops that build iPhones, but in my hand right now is an iPhone. (laughs) So... It's an it's in that realm of is this going to be something that people are upset about but don't do anything about? I want to talk about the media angle of it to begin with because it's something that has been incredibly underrepresented in the media. Why do you think we're not hearing more about this? Because the only answer that I can come up with is racism, if I'm honest. <laughs> Look, I think that that's... Uh, I wouldn't say I, that's not where my head goes to first. I think first and foremost, uh, I think it comes down to, uh, the fact it's inconvenient. I think it's inconvenience more than anything. It's the same 
for me, it falls into that realm of the fact that the animals that we eat don't look like what they look like in our heads. It's the same as the fact that our economy is propped up on coal, uh, which we know is not good for the environment, but we don't talk about that uh, ad nauseum. We don't talk about mass farming ad nauseum. And, and you're right, it is, it is certainly a subsection of the population that is being affected by this or really truly exploited. But I think it more comes down to the fact that so when in the media landscape, when so many people are doing something but it's wrong, the media aren't going to fucking talk about it because they don't want to make people feel bad about themselves because then they'll stop tuning into their programs. I think that's more what it comes down to is like if, if you turned on the, to, to the, to the day, today show every single morning and Carl Stefanovic is like, well, you know that they're breeding chickens to have no feathers so that we don't need to pluck them. And they're also breeding them to lose their beaks over time. Uh, and next up, we're going to talk about how we're destroying our natural environment and ruining our tourism industry, followed by how we're now exploiting whole subsections of the community to bring us food because we're too fucking lazy to get in our cars and drive to a restaurant. Then no one's going to tune into him. They want to see him laugh and dance and talk about how someone won a million dollars on the block and how someone is cheating on their missus. That's what people like because it's easy. We can commute. We can. We're able to compute that on a really easy level. We don't like to think that a lot of the stuff we do in society is bad or wrong. Does that make sense? I think that that was. I think it's a very good point, and I think that you're probably very right. But I don't think that we can ignore the fact that these are primarily um, uh, Asian uh, people. people. From yeah, they are South Asian, Southeast Asian. They are young. They are students, and um, I think that it's really sad that Australia is creating a new, almost caste level or class system that people are turning a blind eye to. Um, I do love your your explanation, though, and I would actually like to put that to music at some point. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's move on. What do you think the solution is around this? Do you think that this is going to fall on Uber and these other companies or the government? Because the government is looking into it. But so far, the government has had a very tough time controlling companies like Uber. And even originally, when Uber just showed up, it, they were running illegally in pretty much every single town across Australia. Yeah, they so undercut the government and, and destroyed the taxi industry as well, which is worth remembering uh, for all those people. And, and you know, everyone said, no, I was one of those people that went, well, did electricity destroy the candle maker industry but at the same yeah. time in fairness those people paid half a million dollars for taxi licenses and lost the 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 right to that money overnight um i think there's actually a completely different solution and it's a great one all of us who aren't the wealthy ha had been doing it for a solid uh hundred years and we've all forgotten about it in the past 20 thanks to america unionization let's get a union going uh create a union and uh, use the power of the people. Don't work for those numbers. And if you take away those people and you form a union, then uh, Uber are going to have to respond to that and, and raise the wages. Yeah, I think that, that would be really interesting to do. My other question is how much responsibility do you think that these companies actually have? Because even though, like, I, I think that they should probably have um, insurance from Uber. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the road rules are the road rules. And I don't have the specifics of every single one of these accidents, but I would, I could hazard a guess that in a lot of these situations, these drivers are potentially at fault. 
Um, and I hate to, I mean, speak ill of somebody who has died. I mean, it's obviously a very serious thing, but if these riders are dying at a huge rate compared to everybody else on the road, is the problem that they're not riding safely and that they need, I don't know, to get some better education about how to ride a bike on, on a street in Sydney. Well, that doesn't Does matter. This... In my opinion, that doesn't matter because they've gone to work and, and we live in Australia. So if you go to work in any other job, e- e- even if you are going to or from your place of work in any other job in Australia or nearly every other industry in Australia, that your place of work is liable for that period of time because you are in the process mm-hmm. of transporting yourself for them. So if I was driving to work today and had a fatal accident, uh, there would probably be insurance covered by my workplace to my family. Uh, and that's where it more needs to go. I think unionization is a great idea. And I think that we do need to look at this because I also think it's interesting when you mention the class system in Australia, because I think you're hundred percent right. But the craziest thing about it is it's, it's very, it's not necessarily financially based. It's very culturally based, which is really Mm -hmm. odd. It's, it's, because a lot of people, uh, there, are, there are a lot of these people from Southeast Asia earning just as much as Joe that went to a, uh, a GPS school and now works in marketing per annum. But they are, you're 100% right, they're seen as lesser people. And it's really, it's really odd. It's really odd that as a country we've, we've so quickly adopted this. And it comes back to, you know, generally in life and in, in the history of the world, for something to get easier for you, it gets harder for someone else. And so it's about give and take as well. But there are some good, I, th- I think there are some better better services out there. I know that um, Deliveroo does a, a better job than Uber Eats and uh, Menulog is, is also meant to do a fairly, a fairly good job of representing the rights of the people working in hospitality and also the delivery people. So jump on those as well. Uh, and let's put it out there. I'd love to put it out there. Um, if you do know of any of those services that are better or if you've experienced being a yeah. rider for those services, um, hit us up on the Facebook group because I'm really genuinely interested in what is the best from the riders or driver's perspectives um, and we would love to help share that knowledge well. As well. and people are socially active. That's the other thing because there might even be, feel free to steal this. I am in no way TMing this. There might even be room in that marketplace to have, look at, look at how well ethically sourced things are doing in every other industry. Maybe there, maybe there is room. I would pay $5 more if I knew it was a more ethical service that was looking after their delivery drivers and the restaurants involved. So maybe it's start. Would one. you really? $5 more? Yeah, when delivery is only $5? Yeah. So you pay 10 bucks delivery? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would because I piss money away on everything. <laughs> I gamble, man, badly. I don't win. <laughs> Five bucks. I don't get food delivery that often. I might get it once a week. Uh, which even yeah, sounds okay. like a lot right now. So $5 to me once a week is not a big expense to know it's that I'm huge. looking after other people. Story number three. Fly me a river. With the world scrambling right now to piece travel and tourism back together, the CEO of Qantas, Mr. Alan Joyce, he's thrown his plan into the ring to offer international flights only to people who've had the COVID vaccine which is hopefully going to be available sometime around March 2021. News.com.au posted an article titled Alan Joyce slammed for COVID stance with tweets like this one from a guy called Jim saying, forcing a medical procedure upon a person against their will is a violation of the Nuremberg Code. 
Nick Stewart, have I just forced a medical procedure onto you where I injected you with pure rage? <laughs> <laughs> I love it how all these people are so clued up on civil rights stuff, but but they're the same people that are very for offshore detention. It's a real it's a real <laughs> weird world that we live in where you have to pick a side, hey? Like th- there's this weird line these days where you're either extremely left or you're extremely right. For me, if you don't want to get vaccinated, you want to fly internationally, find a different airline. Like, um, Al, it's Alan Joyce, I believe, that runs Qantas and has for a, yeah. a long time. He has always been very socially active. He was extremely, he is a member of the uh, LGBTQI community and he was extremely active around Qantas embracing um, their role in the, in the vote yes to gay marriage. A plebiscite that happened. He uh-huh. was also one of the people that was the spearhead behind the Qantas uh, uh, basically condemning Israel Folau with his beliefs around that thing. So it's no surprise to me that he wants to have healthy people on his plane. Uh, it, it is also, I also don't understand when we thought we all got the right to make decisions as a group, because we have never had that right. That's never been that's never been part of society. We don't get to make decisions as a group on behalf of companies. If a company is a private company, they can do whatever the hell they want at any time. Your, your right is to boycott them. That's what your right is. So it just it baffles me that these anti-vaxxers and the, you know what? Look, I'm sorry, I'm spinning my wheels here, but the other thing is to visit a lot of countries. You have to get inoculated anyway. A lot of the time, if you want to get long-term visas to visit countries, there's a bunch of shots you've got to get anyway. So why yes. not add this one into the mix? Now, uh, there uh, there are some lines here, and we've jumped over a few of them all very quickly. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to pull you back a tiny bit. You make a really valid point about the idea of inoculations to visit specific places. Um, those are laws, and so um, those are upheld by the countries themselves and their visa processes and things like that, not by the airlines that are taking people in and out of those countries. So that's an interesting distinction to make off the bat. Um, I also think it's interesting that Alan Joyce has been, he's been getting grilled for this. Now I actually looked into it and the International Air Transport Association, which is the IATA, is a group of 297 airlines, including Qantas. And they're basically all calling for similar stuff um so they haven't put out a an official release yet um but there are lots of different things about speculation of either flat out covid testing or uh covid vaccines so when people are saying boycott Qantas I'll be flying someone else you might not be um which is just interesting to note and I think that Qantas is taking the heat because it's the Australian airline so that's why we're talking about them so much um uh there's another interesting uh, so so when we said that companies are able to do whatever they want we do have and i had a really interesting conversation with my girlfriend ellie about this about anti-discrimination laws and in australia we do have those laws and i think that it's something that a lot of people are crying in saying that it's unfair for a company to to discriminate against me based on my beliefs and this is probably going to have to be decided in the courts whether or not companies do have the ability to do this. Um, I've I've looked it up and in Australia, uh, it is unlawful to discriminate on the basis of a number of protected attributes, including age, disability, race, sex, intersex, gender identity and sexual orientation. But it kind of goes on and on, uh, including education, employment and areas of public life. So 
there is an argument for both sides to this, um, which is that people have the right to have a belief system. And if your belief system sits outside of having a vaccine, then you can't be discriminated against. What if my belief system is banging dogs? (laughs) No, I'm serious. What if that, what, I mean, that is a very gray interpretation. As you said, it will go to the courts, but these people won't have a leg to stand on in court because you can say anything's your belief system. Is it? What about pedophiles? We discriminate actively against them and we should. There's a, there's, you know, I'm not, com- I'm not comparing anti-vaxxers to that, but I'm saying there has to be lines in the sand drawn anywhere. And if that is a rule that he feels is important for his airline to maintain the integrity and the safety of the majority of people, then that's going to stand up in court. Mm. I do think it's interesting that the media, and let's take it back to the media again, that a lot that, as you said, news.com portrayed that as him copying heat. That would have to be, have to be a minority of what the, what actual people think. You can't tell me it would even be close to a 50-50 split. Um, so you, you're completely right. I actually went on to, so in the article, it had different tweets from some different people um, mm. and there was that Nuremberg guy and I went on to his page, okay? <laughs> yeah. And his bio read, musician, pilot, vegetarian, pro-safe vax, pro-life. I'm not sure if Jim's going to be working as a pilot anytime soon. Um, but... <laughs> Did it have his went, and him as well? I'm really off the did, his and him's or the, the her and uh, the other one, the opposite to that or whatever it is, her and she. What? What? Did That's have the what? new big thing is like all those people that love branding themselves. I, I, I think it's oh, important they to point to out. Oh, they want to say that they use those pronouns, yeah. the male pronouns. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Um, I, I just don't think you should brand yourself as anything. I think it's real. as soon as you brand yourself, you're leaving yourself open to be called a hypocrite because we all do the opposite to what we want or say we should do at all times. Yeah. Uh, to go back to your point though, it's a small number of people who have been using this hashtag. I had a scroll through, it's probably less, um, less than 50. Um, and I would say that those less than 50 people are unlikely to be holding up an airline to begin with. Um, and then there's the flip side of it. Um, and there was an interesting kind of back and forth with uh, Matt on the Facebook page, in the off-air page. He wrote, I believe that they are doing what they need to do to keep their company going. If somebody gets COVID and goes on the plane, then that's quite possibly the end of yet another Australian company. And I think that Matt raises a really good point. Like they need to think about the safety and longevity of their business as well. And think about the PR nightmare and how many people would be less inclined to fly if there were all these stories of people going on planes and getting COVID. I agree completely. And that and that's what it comes down to. It's, it's mm. you know, with all these things, it's what's going to suit or work for the majority of people. And the majority of people are probably going to want to be COVID safe. Without going too uh, off topic here, are you going to line up and get vaccinated? Oh, 100% I'm going to get vaccinated. Of course I will. Are you? Yeah, 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 yeah. I am. I, I mean, I, I look, I'm not anti-vaccinated anyway whatsoever. I do think that people to an extent have a right for what they want to put in their body. Uh, but I'm not too concerned. I don't think there's microchips in there. And the 90% rate that they're talking about, the fact it has a 90% success rate is pretty incredible. That's actually a really, because at first I, I saw that number and I was like, oh, that's not that good. 10% of people could still get COVID. So I looked up um, what, what the uh, flu vaccine does and where's that, where that sits. And last year, and this is in America, but it's the same vaccine, just a bigger group of people. That is only between 40 and 60%. So when you get a flu vaccine, that's only between 40 and 60% effective. Wow. 
which I is, didn't know that. Which is, you know, when everyone says, oh, I got the flu vaccine and I still got the flu, mm. there's a really high chance of that happening. So the fact that they have managed in 12 months to pull out of their ass a vaccine that is... Amazing. Yeah, being called 90% well, and another, but, but another company, I forget which one, uh, it could be Moderna, they have one that's 95. Yeah. So they're upping each other now. Yeah. These are huge to bring it- numbers. To bring it back to the dollar symbol that we were speaking about just before with Uber Eats, let's talk about this Qantas situation. So there are so many people saying, I would be flying somewhere else. I'm going to boycott Qantas. Would you pay an extra $100 to get on a plane knowing that everybody on the plane is (laughs) vaccinated? Because I would. So this is the thing. For every person that's saying, well, I won't be flying Qantas, for me personally, I would pay more to fly Qantas if that's their stance. That's a pretty good point. I would say I'm not going to be running overseas anytime in the next three years anyway, to be perfectly honest, unless unless there is a business, a, a really strong business reason or someone I know that lives overseas gets gravely ill or there's some really important reason, I'm, I'm probably going to be sticking to our shores for a bit. How wow. about you? I'm going to New Zealand ASAP. Oh, well, New Zealand, that doesn't count. They're, they're basically Of course it counts. Us. No, it that doesn't. That counts. No, we're in a bubble with them anyway, aren't we? That's, that's well, fine. I don't know. I think that counts. I, I think, think that's no, overseas. That's not. Oh, so is Tasmania then. That's <laughs> New Zealand's <laughs> basically just an extension of Australia. I meant like, are you going to be going to... Uh, Japan. Yeah, Japan or... Yeah, uh, I would go to Japan. South I would America. go to Japan. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about South America. I'm not sure where they're at with stuff. But I would go to Japan, yep, straight away. Well, you can't pick the good countries. I mean, in What general- do you mean? Of course I can. That's how travel works. <laughs> I'm going where I want to go. Would you go to America? No, I'm not going to America for a long time. Man, I went to Trump America and I survived. So, <laughs> you know, there's one thing I think there was a great, a really interesting back and forth on the Facebook page that I'd love to wrap this up with. Someone called Rach wrote, we should have the freedom of choice. If there's one person on the plane who isn't vaccinated and the rest are and the vaccine works, then it won't spread. And someone called Alex wrote, if one person doesn't wear a seatbelt, but everyone else does, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, but that's that. that. So for me, just totally blind reading that, Alex's point sort of feeds into Rachel's, doesn't it? Well, I don't think so, because at the end of the day, the airline is responsible for you and is responsible for all of the passengers. And if one person hasn't had it, but there are other people who are potentially unable to have it for medical reasons or because they're pregnant or whatever. It's the responsibility of everybody to try and look after them. Yeah, uh, I I agree with both points. I am a little bit torn on this because on a base, you know, on a base level, and it, I, this whole podcast has been about the fact that life is grey. But on a base level, I do think that someone should have a right for what they put in their own body. On a on uh, in most cases. And, and I understand that there is trepidation because, let's face it, science is ever-evolving. The, the role of scientists never ends and we don't 100% know and there has been massive failures in the past with things like this. So, you know, it's, it's, it is a really, really tricky, nuanced debate. And I really appreciate all the people who have contributed to the Facebook group. If you are still uh, hanging around and you're not a member of that um, private group, uh, as Tim said, we will pop it in the links and it's a great place 
to to really have some robust debate. I'm loving it. I love reading everybody's comments. Okay, well, let's wrap this up. Uh, jump on. It'll be in the link, but it's also called Off Air Podcast Community. And if you've got ideas for stories as well that you'd like to recommend to us, um, hit us up because we'd love to hear them. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Off Air. Remember to like and subscribe. People are entitled to their sexual proclivities.